happy. And listen how beautiful it is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Make me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now we've heard that so much. It's almost sacred and holy just as it is. So I'll read it to you in the Living Bible, and some of you won't find it as holy, but I love it. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. He lets me rest in the meadow grass and leads me beside the quiet stream. He gives me new strength, and he helps me to do what honors him the most. Even when walking through dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you're close beside me, guard, guard, guarding, guiding all the way. You provide delicious fruit for me in the presence of mine enemies, and you've welcomed me as your guest. Blessings overflow. Your goodness and unfailing kindness shall be with me all of my life, and afterwards I'll live with you forever in your home. Hallelujah. <laughs> I love that. You have to forgive me because... Uh, it's it's just there's just certain clarities that are absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Psalm Psalm 23 is a product of the life of King David. Psalm 23 is a product of what he did most of his life. Well, he did it until he was close to 18 years of age. Uh, the last boy born to the sheep herders family in the Middle East became the tender of the sheep. In other words, he was he automatically inherited the position. That's why every boy that took care of the sheep prayed that his mother would have another boy because then he knew as soon as that kid got old enough, he would take his place. So that was a dream in the prayer. Now, of the sons of uh, Jesse, uh, David was the youngest, and he was the one in the hills taking care of the sheep. But God's hand was on this boy, and God's hand was on his life. And it's interesting because I suppose you could spend a whole life up there resenting the fact that you're there, that you're not playing basketball. I know they didn't play basketball then, but whatever kind of ball they played. The kids have always played down through the ages. So maybe resenting that he wasn't with the other fellas, maybe resenting that he wasn't in the town square, maybe resenting that he wasn't on picnics and parties with the other kids, uh, but he had to tend to his father's sheep. But isn't it beautiful when you do something with a heart of obedience and with a heart as unto the Lord. And I say as a heart unto the Lord because in his life, he produced literally the most glorious, uh, what shall we say, fruit of this job. Uh, he proved to, to be into it with all of his mind in such a way that he was able to compare what he was doing to what God does for us. And he could see the whole panorama and he could see it so clearly. And uh, when he's up there taking care of the sheep and protecting them, you see, for every part of David's life, for every part of David's life, there's a part that is born out of this psalm. And the psalm starts off and says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Or the Lord is my shepherd and he takes care of all my needs. Now, he, this follows through in his life. 
when he's in battle, when he's before the enemy, when he's leading the nation. In other words, it's a concept that permeated his entire being. The scripture tells us so much about this, this man, tells us so much about his work, and he refers always back to his duties, to his job. The scripture says that in the nights, he would hear the trickling of, of, of the water. And, and then in the morning, he would hear the panting of, of the, uh, the hearts, or, or what we would call the does or the, or the deer. He would hear them panting, uh, rushing out to the water brooks. And, and he would compare everything. He says, just as the heart, the doe, the deer, panteth after the water brooks, oh God, so pants my heart after you. In other words, in the primitive sounds, in the primitive surroundings, in that which had to do with his work as a shepherd, every sound, there are nights with the storms. And he says that the, 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 the wind in, in the hollow and in the caverns would speak. And that's where he says, and I love it in Spanish, uh, the, the winds in the channels and in the mountains, one side would speak to the other side. And it's so beautiful a la voz de tus canales. It's so, it's so majestic. This is this boy called David. Took advantage of everything. He protected his sheep with all the guts he had within him. Had in his pockets some stones so that he could use his slingshot. Had a good strong stick if he needed it knew how to get the bear out of the way, knew how to take care of the lion, knew how to take care of the foxes in the hills, even the snakes. Isn't it interesting? And he goes on and he compares all of that while he was a shepherd. He says, wow, what I do for my sheep and what God gives me strength to do for my sheep is what he's doing for us all the time. I'm taking care of them. He takes care of me. I watch over them. He watches over me. I take them to the best pastures. He takes me to the best pastures. And even when I meet up with the enemy, he's there. He never leaves me alone. And when my sheep are in trouble and when they're sick and maybe as a herd, they need special attention, he's there. And more than that, when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, he's there. Isn't it interesting? 2,000, maybe 4,000 years ago, and that's still the favorite psalm in every hospital, still the favorite psalm in every funeral parlor, still the favorite psalm in every nursery room. It's a psalm for babies and it's a psalm for trembling old people. It's a psalm for those that walk in victory and it's a psalm for those that are in great sorrow and matchless, which proves one thing, our God gives songs in the night. Our God gives words of, uh, what shall we say? Each one of us, believe it or not, each one of us a psalmist. God intends for us to sing the songs, not of Zion, to sing the songs of God. Because Zion is, well, it's the land of God, but we have the privilege to sing unto the Lord. Now in the 10th chapter of the book of John, read by our pastor this morning, anyone refusing to walk through the gate into the sheepfold who sneaks over the wall must surely be a thief. I'm in the living Bible. And anybody that wants to buy a living Bible, you can buy one. I've got five boxes upstairs. I, ju I just love it. I just love it. And I'll tell you where, where I experienced this Bible. 
It's not a Bible for in-depth teaching. It's not a Bible for scholars in terms of wanting to refer and references. It's a Bible for everyday reading. If you want to make it simple, if you want to make it easy, if you want to clarify it, if you just want to understand it. Some people go into all terms and, oh, there's a word missing here. Oh, it leaves out over. Well, fine, fine. Don't get excited. Don't get nervous. If you just need clarity, use it. But as a chaplain at Bedford Hills Correctional Facility, when I was there, uh, we got a gift. The state of New York received a gift of something like uh, 30,000 living Bibles which meant we had a Bible for every inmate in the system. And uh, we were able to give them out. And it was the most beautiful experience in the world. I had people reading Bible that ne never, could never read Bible, what weren't interested in the King James Version. They couldn't even understand it, never mind read it. And so every girl in the facility got a living Bible. And believe it or not, we had revival in Bible reading. And it was this Bible, believe it or not, that made a big difference in my own home because I gave all my girls a copy and I think, I think all of them have gone through, I'm not too sure, but I know I went through it with them because it brings a little box in the front that you cross off each chapter and I crossed off each chapter. And it became a, became a symbol of at least revival and Bible reading at Bedford Hills for the next three or four years. And this is why I love it, okay? For a shepherd comes through the gate the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. Now this is it. The gatekeeper opens the gate, the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Number one, the shepherd deals individually. Oh, this is so important. And if you forget everything I say this afternoon, don't forget that. God knows you by your first name. God knows you as an individual. You are not a cluster. You are not a bunch. You are not a group. You are not a monton. You are not that. You are not that. You are very individual. And somehow or other, you stand alone before God. I don't know how it is. I don't understand it. But when God looks down from heaven, he sees us all individually. Naturally, he is God. But that's one of the magnificent thoughts uh, of being able to bathe in the tremendous truth that my God sees me. My God watches over me. My God knows everything about me. That's a little scary, but it's the truth. And he does. And it's important that you know that. Because sometimes God, it's interesting, people talk about God as being the man upstairs. Well, I've got, to, I've got to clarify that. He's the man upstairs that came downstairs. And we know him because he did come downstairs. And he made himself known. God revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ, and we saw him. And that's why it says we beheld him, beheld him as the only begotten of the Father, beheld him in all his glory. So as we look here, I want you to understand, number one, the gatekeeper opens the gate and opens the gate for him and the, and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. He calls them by name. I don't know if you've ever heard God call you, but he does call you. Sometimes we're not still enough to hear, but God does call you. And that's why, have you ever been in a church service or have you ever been reading your Bible or have you ever been meditating when all of a sudden you're gripped, you're literally gripped 
all of a sudden it becomes terribly personal. All of a sudden, like somebody walked in, tiptoes into your heart, very soft, like on a thick rug, but you know there was something, something was happening to you. This is God's direction. God wants to be very close to you. God loves you so much. He's not the man up there. He's not somebody a thousand miles away. He's not somebody living in a seventh heaven or a third heaven or a fourth heaven. He's the God that said he loved us. And in creation, he said that he would redeem us for his very own. Made us to be people he could talk with, that he could share with, that he could give. Put in us his spirit and gave us the grace of free will, which separates us from every other creation that God ever had and the exercising of that will was for one purpose to choose God and walk with him now sin came in and many of us chose sin and that's been our problem but isn't it beautiful to think today he's still the good shepherd now listen to what it says he says he walks he calls them by his name and he leads them out that's another word that's important not only is it an individual call of God to you, but it's also a call of God for direction. He will lead you. And that's why I had you folks sing that song, God leads us along. God wants to lead us. The only thing is you can't be led until you surrender. You can't be led until you surrender. You, you can't. And there's no coercing in God. And God does, not only does he not coerce, he doesn't, he doesn't beg, he doesn't yell, he doesn't scream. The loudest noise you could ever hear from God, you heard from Calvary. Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the loudest cry Jesus ever gave. And with that, he gave his spirit. So he doesn't talk loud. That's why to know God, the most important thing is uh, that we've got to be still. And it's so hard to be still. In a world that's rocking and rolling, in a world that's moving and shaking, uh, in a world that demands every minute of action, in, in a world that if, you, if, you, if you're still for one second, they wonder what's wrong with you. Yet our God says he'll lead us along if we let him lead us. And you just got to, you say, now, now that, that's hard for me to believe. And do I close my eyes and say, okay, here I am. Is that the way we go? No, you don't. You just live the way you're living with one glorious experience. You've given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's become your good shepherd. He's become your savior. He's become your master. Now, from then on, he'll walk with you. Now, what do we mean when we say he'll walk with you? He'll talk to you. Yes, you'll have a little voice in here. You say, oh, no, 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 lady, lady, you're getting a little heavy on me. No, I'm not. I'm not. I want you to think in, in, in the terminology of the normal. I want you to think in the terminology of how do we lead. Well, let's go back to the sheep. How are they led? They're led by a shepherd. And how does he lead them? Well, he's got several means to lead them. Uh, he leads them because he, they follow him and they, they know his voice. And then there's other things he has. He has a stick, which uh, every now and then he's got to use. And sometimes he has some dogs that help him. Uh, rally up the sheep and there are different things that he has to help them but they follow because they know God wants to lead us and God will lead you the only thing is that something's getting in the way of divine direction
many a time it's our own mentality, our own philosophy of life, and other, other times it's our concept of time. God will give us everything we need, but it's in God's time. We don't like God's time. Because God seems to have somewhere a clock with 48 hours, and God seems to have a week like with, uh, with maybe 12 or 13 days. He doesn't, but that's the way it feels to us. You know, we love to go to God and say, now. And God just smiles. And we're saying, now. And God just smiles. But you know something? If we got everything we ask God for on a now basis, I can tell you the truth. We'd be standing online very quickly after that saying, take it away, please, now, now. But God doesn't want to waste his time, so he doesn't give it to you in the now anyway because he knows what's best. He knows what's best. Let's go on to the scripture. They won't follow a stranger. No, they, no, no, I'm sorry. The fourth verse is the one I'm on. He walks ahead of them. Hey, folks, God's got to walk ahead of us. Okay? We must follow. And where do we learn to follow? Through this good book. This is the book that tells us how to follow. This is the book that tells us how to follow. It tells us that in order to follow, we must surrender. In order to follow, we cannot be afraid of him. In order to follow, we must understand what, what he wants us to follow, how he wants us to follow. And the beautiful thing is your following will be within the nature of who you are. And I love that. What, what does that mean? It means that God understands your personality. And when he calls you, you will be called exactly the way you are. I always remember one, one, one situation of a precious sister, and I think I've shared this with you. She was seeking the baptism of the Holy, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I come from a little storefront Pentecostal church, and when you sought the baptism, I mean, you, 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 you really sought an experience. Uh, and what you weren't seeking for, somebody else gave it to you. But it was, it was quite interesting, because sometimes they'd put your hands up and say, pray, 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 and you'd be, hallelujah, hallelujah, then they put it down. Sometimes they'd give you a little back rub and say, Lord bless her, Lord bless her, Lord bless her. So you didn't know if you were praying or being blessed or praying or being blessed. And it became quite a harrowing experience at times. And, and sometimes out of just sheer, sheer exhaustion, you just fall to your knees hoping nobody would touch you. And if God wanted to fill you, let him fill me right here on the floor because you were totally exhausted. And I remember one evening, a lady came in, and she had been battered by her husband and sent to a hospital. She had had a broken collarbone, and she had about three ribs broken. And then she had a hip out of place, and, and she came all taped up to church. And when she walked in, a precious lady, her name was Provi, and she walked in and she said to the pastor, I know you're seeking the baptism this week, and I've come to receive, and I'm standing next to the pastor in the back in the corner, and, and Pastor Lopez, and I look at Pastor, and he looks at me, and I thought to myself, here she's walking in like this, she's all taped up, right? She finds a little chair, and she sits down, and she's coming to seek the baptism. Well, I, well in my mind, all I could hear was the shouting, and, the, and I said, oh my, what, they're going to hurt this poor lady? Oh, I was so frightened. I, I wanted to build a little fence around her. I wanted to tell everybody, don't get near her, don't touch her, please don't hurt her. And I, I, I had these visions of people wanting to throw her arms up and her poor, and I'm sitting there, and I'm really, you have no idea how I suffered that night. My eyes hovered over Provi, and I said, oh God, don't let him touch her, oh God. And some people got pretty close, and others said, and all of a sudden, in the midst of all of my worry, in the midst of all of my agony and my pain, and trying to 
I heard a very soft voice. And I looked over and it was Brovi. And there she was with her tape body and sitting still as a, just still as a lamb. And her lips were uttering praises and she was speaking in tongues. She'd been filled to overflowing with the presence of the Lord and had had her glorious baptism. I was worried about the way she was going to get it. I was worried that nobody should touch her. I was worried that that experience would be too energetic. Oh, doesn't God know everything? You know, let him lead you. Let him go ahead of you. God doesn't do anything wrong. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't fumble the ball. God doesn't shortchange you. God doesn't leave you in the lurch. He doesn't leave you hanging. With God, there are no question marks. There's simply you follow and he will lead you. Isn't that marvelous? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, I squirm and I, you know, we all do. Lord, what do you want me to do? Oh, Lord, I want this. And you know, every now and then, the Lord wants to say to us, I'm your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let him be your shepherd, but let him go ahead. This is one of the games of the devil. The devil makes us feel that we can, we can do it on our, on our own. Sometimes there's an arrogance and a pride about life. It's, it's called the arrogance of life. That's what it's called. It's called the pride of life, uh, uh, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Uh, and it's something that's, that's grown up in us. And there's a world out there that says, hey, uh, show yourself to be. Now, I don't think a Christian has to go around looking like, you know, Raggedy Ann. I don't think a Christian has to go looking like un siempre parado. You know what those are? Those little toys that you push down and they always come up, okay? Uh, no, that's not a Christian. I, a matter of fact, I shared that this morning. Uh, a Christian does not mean that you're somewhere at the end of a dirt pile. A Christian does not mean that you are a rug for people to step up. When I hear people explaining uh, servanthood and sincerity and yieldedness and surrender by saying you become a rug, I'm sorry, I don't find that in the Bible. I don't find that in the Bible. Surrenderedness is just this, you following him. You've got to follow him. That, that's all it is. And the scripture says, uh, the, the follow him. Why, and why do we follow him? Because we recognize his voice. Once again, we're back to recognizing the voice. How do you recognize the voice? Because, it's, because you've had a relationship. You've had a relationship. And you know, the voice of the Lord is not like anybody else's voice, so you won't mix it up with anybody else's voice. The voice of the Lord is a very unique voice. The only thing that happens with us is that we so infrequently hear it. We don't hear it often, right? When he does speak to us, you know the problem you have with God's voice? Once you hear it, and you're astounded because you know it isn't your voice, right? You're astounded. God spoke to you. You are. You're, you're almost ready to tremble. And then you say, oh, wait a minute. Was that my head? Was that me? Did I think that? Or did it go? But listen. Analyze it well, and you'll realize you weren't capable of thinking that. You weren't capable of it. Only God can, can do that in our lives. Oh, I love him. Let him. You follow him. And then you recognize his voice. Now listen to this. Now this is where we've got to become sharp. 
they won't follow a stranger, but will run from him, for they don't recognize his voice. Okay, now why do so many people stray? Why do so many people stray? Why are there so many cults? Uh, why is there so much that, uh, that's crazy, absolutely crazy? Why are there so many doctrines out there that deny Christ, deny the blood of Christ, deny the sacrifice of Christ, and yet thousands are pouring in, uh, hundreds of thousands, and you say, how can it happen? The minute you stop hearing God's voice, you'll hear the voices of this world because you gotta hear someone. And this is why you can't stop reading your Bible and you can't stop praying. That is our connection. The word comes in through the mind, it seeps down to the heart. And once the heart starts to process it, it then goes through our being. When it comes in, it's God's word. When it reaches the heart, it's God's revelation. When it reaches your entire being, it's the fruit of the spirit coming out in power and in grace. You don't become kind overnight. You don't become gentle overnight. You see, the only thing we have in life is attitude. That's what we have in life, attitude. Listen, you can tell attitude. Some people think it's good posture. Good posture? It's not posture, it's attitude. Yeah. Some people say, and you know, have you seen these total authoritarian people? I mean, good night. They're like a steel wall. And their faces say more. <laughs> no, come on, no. No, no, no. Scripture tells us, oh God, help us. A Christian that's led, a Christian that's led has been in tune and in touch with the voice. Not sporadically, continuously. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the whole thing, folks. You say, but you know, I don't always have the same feeling. No, it has nothing to do with feeling. How many eat when they feel like it? Let me see your hands. Oh, come on, put your hands down. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. It, you gotta eat. You've gotta eat. And somehow, rather, I thank God for whoever made the setup, breakfast, lunch, and supper. I love it. <laughs> I love it. At this stage of the game and at this size, I realize one will do, but I still thank God for whoever invented the three of them. Gives you an excuse. But once again, once again, let's get back to it. The scripture says they won't follow a stranger but will run from him for they don't recognize his voice. You can get caught up in all sorts of garbage. And I'm going to be very frank and you will forgive me. There's a lot of so-called Christian garbage out there too. You say, oh sister, watch it, don't step on toes. No, I've got to step on toes. Anybody that doesn't tell you the truth of Jesus Christ, yet claims to proclaim him, anybody that substitutes him, either by a person or by activities or by tradition, is out of order. He cannot be substituted. Nothing can take his place. Not even us that work here my good Pastor Louie, myself, Debbie, anybody that's in ministry here, we cannot be your substitution for Christ. We cannot be. You say, oh, but, but I look to you, sister, and, and when I hear Brother Louie, I get so inspired. That's fine. We thank you. We thank you. That's why God has placed us here. But listen, the inspiration is to give you the injection to look up. 
to see him. Make your own contact. Have your own walk. That's why when we come into this church, you know how we should come in? Dynamite. We should come in. You shouldn't just drag yourself in and say, well, well let me see what they're going to give me today. If I, don't, if, if I don't like it, I can sleep a little. You sure can. Hey, we allow everybody to sleep. But, but it's, 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 you've got to come in with it. Do you understand what I mean? You've got to have prayed before you got here. You've got to have read your word before you got here. Every morning when you wake up, give God. I st I'm, st I'm going to remind you. There's a little lady in this church that's got a sign over her bed. It says, my first 20 minutes belongs to God. And then she keeps it. 20 minutes. And she says, you know, I've learned to do that only because the minute I get up, my kids hear me get up. The minute I pour, put, put on the coffee, they smell it. The minute I run the water in the bathroom, everybody knows I'm in circulation. And all the doors open, right? Isn't it the truth? Mama socks, mama shoes, mama oatmeal, mama. Huh? She says, no, I don't dare. I don't dare. She says, I don't, I don't even get out of bed. She says, I look at my little 20 minutes. She turns her clock, grabs her word. And she says, the beautiful experience she's now having is it, it surpasses 20 minutes. It surpasses 20 minutes. But that's the 20 minutes. She says, I can't afford to put one foot out of my bed without talking to God. I'll be swallowed alive in that. In that it's not a fishbowl, folks. I got news for you. It's a, it's, a, it's a shark hole, and we need help. And let me go on here. It says, they won't follow a stranger, uh, but we'll run from The answer to what I asked you before, why is there so much error? Why is it? No, there's a lot of error, of course. People like convenience. Uh, truth hurts. Truth straightens you out. Truth makes you do right. And there are people that rebel against truth. They don't want truth. They don't want the truth about living. They don't want the truth about sinning. Uh, they don't want the truth about what God says in his word. We live in a society where everything's okay. Uh, fornication is a common word and they don't even use it. It's called living, it's called loving, it's called liking, it's called, hey, uh, getting it together, it's called having a good time, it's called uh, uh, shacking up, you name whatever you want to call it. And we're supposed to sit here and smile. Isn't it fine? And adultery? Why, it's on every soap opera. Isn't it, there's nothing wrong with it. No, there's nothing wrong with it until you face God. And then when you face God, all of a sudden it is wrong. And because facing God becomes so difficult, they decide maybe they'll do without. But you see, you can't do without God because if you do without God, you do without direction. If you do without direction, you do without care. You have nothing to, to safeguard you in the storms of life. You've got nothing to help you when the hurricane comes. You've got nothing to be by your side when sickness breaks your body. You've got nothing, nothing, nothing at all. And that's why it's more important to be prepared for life. Jesus said the following, he who hears my word and I'm the good shepherd and does it, I'll come compare him to a man and to a woman that built their house on a rock and the rains came and they're gonna come folks that's another fantasy if you're a Christian all your troubles are over hey this is not the church for you because that's a lie you become a Christian let me tell you what happens your sins are forgiven you're walking with God he loves you and you love him and you know something you're bound for heaven that's all guaranteed but that you're not gonna have any troubles Ay, ay, ay. Goodness. You'll have more than you ever bargained for. 
You'll have some you deserve. You'll have some you didn't deserve. You'll have some you never dreamed of. But that's okay. Because you know what? You're following him and he's leading. And he'll never let you go. You don't get lost when you follow the shepherd. And if you're hearing his voice, it's okay. He'll see you through. Sometimes we don't understand the muddle. Why did it take 12 years, or 22 years, I'm sorry, from the anointing of David as king uh, to becoming king? 22 years. And you know what happened in 22 years? Let me tell you what happened in 22 years. He became the nation's hero. Then the king, out of jealousy, wanted to kill him. He fled to the hills and nearly died there several times, became an outlaw, and then could not even find a, a solace. And then after 22 years, he became king. Isn't it interesting? Can you imagine somebody today analyzing? God said, you'd be anointed king. Look at the mess you're in. No kings live in caves. No kings wear rags. No kings beg for food from other people. Oh, God got mixed up. You don't even know what you're talking about. Yes, he did. Because the Lord is a shepherd, and he shall not want. And he leadeth me beside the green pastures, and he restoreth my soul. Hallelujah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And in my troubles, thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemies and the people. Yes, he's sound asleep. Isn't he sweet? Let's say it's prophetic. He's going to preach when he wakes up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's just, isn't that marvelous? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Now, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that sad? Then Jesus explained, I'm the gate for the sheep, and all who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep, the true sheep did not listen to them. And that's once again. When you go out and you hear things that are not according to the Bible, when you hear man-made laws not according to the Bible, you'll know. When you hear people telling you that this is okay and that that's okay, it's not in Bible. Don't, don't, don't. When you hear... Good, good, good situations, nice settings, uh, elegant people, you know, uh, going to a reading room and, 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 and the material they give you tells you that all you have to do is have the strength of your mind because it's mind over matter. And it's that mind that makes you go ahead and progress. Uh, and it's that mind that holds the juices of divinity. Uh, and if you use your mind, oh God, let me tell you something first thing to go when sin goes into our lives and takes hold is the mind. It's the first thing to go. So don't trust your mind. We are so hungry for things it isn't even funny. That's why I tell everybody the appetite. Uh, there, there are two words that, that, that stay very clear to me. One is the word depravity. Because we're so apt to say that if anybody practices homosexuality, he is depraved or she is depraved. And then we say if, uh, there are a few other words, uh, but with that word, I've got to tell you something. When you label someone and then give them a word, I want you to come back home and think this over and think it over clearly. 
there isn't anybody sitting in this chapel at this given time that is not capable of uttermost depravity. Oh, not me, sister. Yes, you, honey. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You see this flesh? I hate to tell you her capability. I hate to tell you her hunger. I hate to tell you her wants. I hate to tell you her burning sensations. Speak to a young boy who has stolen his mother's watch and he's stolen her car and he's stolen her jewelry. He's stolen everything she's got because his veins say, feel me. And many other ways. So when it comes to depravity, don't point a finger. Just understand the capability we have and say, oh God, by thy grace, surely I will follow the shepherd. I will follow the shepherd. It's the same thing with error. We're all capable of moving. The other day I was shocked half out of my boots. Oh, I was so shocked. I can't even tell you how shocked I was. I met a man that I considered the closest thing I've ever seen to a Christian, or better said to a, uh, an, an active Christian, a full, what shall we say, spirit-filled Christian. And I looked into his face and I think I saw Jesus. Then he told me he was a Jehovah Witness. And you say, sister, is there something wrong with Jehovah Witnesses? They're very nice people, they work very hard, they sell a lot of books, and they look very good on the corners. But I want to share something with you. Christ is not their savior. His blood has not washed them from their sins. He is a prophet and he is a man that came and he's part of history. And he's a very good example. But he's not redeemer. He is not Lord. He is not Jehovah God. That I cannot accept. So I said to myself, I said, Lord, you're laying a trip on me. I will pray this man into the kingdom if it's at all possible because that takes will has to be occupied there. Let's go on. I'm the gate of the sheep, he said, and all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I'm the gate, and those who come by way of the gate will be saved and go on and out and find green pastures. What does that mean? It means abundant life. It means you're going to go out and have a good time with him. It means he's going to plan your life. It means he's got exciting things in store for you. It means that he's going to use your qualities. He's going to use your ability. He's going to take the positive things in you. And he's going to give you a place in this world. Yes, in this world. And you'll be able to move up and there will be a ladder of success for you. Oh, but stay close to the shepherd. Stay close to the shepherd because that's the secret. The, the thief's purpose is to steal okay? That's the devil. And to kill and to destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus already did that for you and me. A hired man will run away when he sees a wolf coming, and he'll leave the sheep, for they aren't his, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf leaps on them and scatters the flock. The hired man runs because he's hired. He has no real concern for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. And just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too, speaking to Jewish people. I have other sheep too, which were us, the Gentiles. In another fold, I must bring them also. And they will, hear my, they will heed my voice and they will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loved me because I lay down my life that I may take it back, may have it back again. No one can kill me without my consent. I lay down my life voluntarily 
Jesus was not a martyr. He wasn't even in the spirit of a martyr. A martyr cannot do anything but be killed because he's in the hands of those that want to kill him. Jesus said, I lay my life down. Why? I have the right and the power to lay it down when I want to, and also the right and the power to take it again, for the Father has given me that right. And that was the answer Jesus gave to Pilate. Pilate said to Jesus, talk up, man. Defend yourself, because I have the power to kill you. And Jesus was so precious. Pilate, don't take your work so seriously. Really, you don't have any power over me. My life, I lay it down. And my life, I take it up. You see, he has the power. That's why I want to get lost in the good shepherd. That's why I want to be found in the fold of the good shepherd. See, with the good shepherd, you won't get lost. And if you do, do you know what happens? He combs the night air and the skies for you. He goes to the highest mountain where it's snow-capped, and he looks for you. And somewhere in some pit, somewhere in some bush, all the body chopped up and bleeding, there's a little sheep that says, bah, 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 and it's just the man crying out. And the good shepherd goes to that place, extends his body over the cliff, picks up the little sheep and tucks it close to his heart and brings it back. Why? Because he would leave the 99 for one that has gone astray. He would do that for just one. You see, God isn't into numbers. He's into individuals. Shall we pray?